What are ghosts? That's a million dollar question, isn't it? Heck, it's probably worth far more than a million dollars at this point. If anyone can ever answer it, that is. Which no one has definitively done yet. So for now, ghosts remain myths and folklore. Even without concrete proof, however, some people are already making money showing people ghosts. From television networks like Travel Channel and all of their stars with their ghost hunting shows, to ghost hunting event and ghost tour companies. Heck, even I make money from my blog. Not a lot. I couldn't keep a rabbit and lettuce, but I do make a little in ads to help offset my hosting fees. But what are we really seeing or hearing when we're presented with evidence of ghosts? In some cases, like on ghost tours, we're only hearing stories. On the paranormal TV shows, there's plenty of alleged proof they're catching something, from disembodied voices, shadowy figures, and even things moving on their own. It all appears very scientific and professional, but how trustworthy is any of that? Not only can producers manipulate circumstances and creatively edit to make it seem like something is happening, but there's the matter of optical illusions as well as audio and visual periodolia. I'm not here to to debate the veracity of any of the alleged evidence. I am here to question what ghosts are. Are they real? Could they even really exist? If so, what are they made of? And do any really wear sheets? Because understanding ghosts, or at least the concept of them and why we believe in their existence, or not, is the foundation for this whole Schooled by Ghosts series of mine. So, let's dig in. What are ghosts? First, we have to define them, if we can. We'll start with a definition from Webster's Dictionary. In fact, it's my old (laughs) Webster's New World Dictionary 2nd Edition copyrighted 1986. Wow. Um, It defines ghosts in several ways, but I found the first two the most interesting. Origin, or originally, I don't actually know what the abbreviation of O-R-I-G is in the dictionary, The spirit or soul, now only in give up the ghost, in parentheses that follows with to die, and in holy ghost. The second one is the supposed disembodied spirit of a dead person conceived of as appearing to the living as a pale, shadowy apparition. Are you surprised the second definition doesn't actually come first? I'm not going to lie, I was. I would have thought that the supposed disembodied spirit of a dead person conceived of as appearing to the living as a pale, shadowy apparition was the only definition. It's the one I think of first when I think of ghosts. Anyways, what about you? Also interesting is the use of the word supposed because, again, ghosts are not real. Many believe they are. Many people, that is. I'm sure ghosts, if they're real, believe they're real too. But it all leads back to the tiny problem of no one has produced definitive proof of their existence. 
but this is just a general starting place. Let's, let's examine another source. Um, the second place where I found a definition was, I'm not sure I will say her last name right, Rosemary Ellen Guiley's, may she rest in peace, Encyclopedia of Ghosts and Spirits. This encyclopedia has a much longer and more comprehensive assessment for determining what ghosts are. It takes up one full two-column page in the book and half of another and examines everything from how various cultures and religions view ghosts, some believe they're evil, some believe they can't exist at all, to where and when ghosts are seen. Contrary to popular belief, not always at night and mostly not in graveyards. It also examines different types of ghosts, intelligent versus residual, and reasons ghosts might come back for revenge, to complete unfinished business, or because they're stuck here. But the very first sentence succinctly sums it up best, an alleged spirit of the dead. Again, note the wording. Webster's definition used supposed, this encyclopedia uses alleged. So, according to reference book definitions of ghosts, we know they're not real. But we also get the sense they're a complex and maybe even complicated idea. Let's look at thoughts about what they're made of and see if that yields any more clues. If ghosts represent the spirit of dead people, what are spirits made of? As in, what are they comprised of? Does the soul have substance? I personally love the way Scientific American questions it. If you claim that some form of soul persists beyond death, what particles is that soul made of? What forces are holding it together? How does it interact with ordinary matter? There's undeniably some form of energy involved in the spirit energy that exists within us while we're alive. Everyone wants to know what happens to that spark when we die, and if it sometimes comes back or lingers. How does it do that? What powers it, so to speak? Is there an electrical component? Lots of modern-day ghost hunters believe the more gadgets they have, the more proof they'll gather. But without knowing if ghosts have electrical impulses, if they give off heat, make sound, or even have a form, maybe they're just some kind of gas. Gadgets aren't really reliable tools. They are a lot of fun, though, and they do offer a lot of excitement. And perhaps some of them really are picking up on some sort of spiritual energy. But, since no one has been able to figure out the formula for consistently replicating evidence using any of these devices, we're technically still in the dark as to what's being captured. So, what do we rely on to catch ghosts with, then? How can we catch something if we don't even know if it a really exists, or B, what it's made of? Well, we can't, and that's why no one has done it yet. No matter how many photos, videos, or audio recordings they offer to show you to prove that they have. So what have they caught then? 
Is it even possible to catch a ghost? Do we bait a hook like when we go fishing? Do we set a trap? Or do we lay in wait somewhere? Well, like with hunting and fishing, first we go where the ghosts are, which is allegedly haunted places. Then, well, that's where it gets tricky. Because again, we're back to what are ghosts made of? How can we know which tools to bring if we don't know what will capture them or what will even encourage them to manifest? Put it this way, you wouldn't throw a bear trap in a lake to catch a minnow. But perhaps the even better questions are, what do ghosts like to do? Do ghosts eat? If so, what do ghosts like to eat? The more we know not only about what they're made of, but their habits, behaviors, and preferences, the more likely we are to catch one. In order to catch a fish, let's go back to that analogy. I like it. I used to love fishing when I was a little kid. As a matter of fact, here's a fun fact I'll throw in here. When I was 10 years old, or maybe 11, somewhere in that age range, I wanted a bike so bad. A 10 speed, it was the thing that you got back then, but my family could not afford it, and I knew it, and my parents were divorced, and it was just not a good time. But in Denver, that's where I grew up, they had this thing called Tom Sawyer's Day, or Hook Fin Day. I think it was Hook Fin Day. Um, I don't remember what it was called, but you had to use an old-fashioned pole, which was you just found a stick, you tied some string to it, you had your bait, you had a worm. They released trout into this lake, or not lake, to the little stream that ran there. All these kids would sit on the bank and catch a fish. So... On this particular Huck Finn day, my dad said, you're going to sit right here. This is where you're going to catch this fish. You're going to win this year. You're going to win that bike. And, you know, I never had really ever thought about winning any other year, but I really wanted a bike. And wouldn't you know it, a fish took my line and, and parents weren't supposed to help. And technically my dad didn't help, but I was about to fall headfirst into the water. So he grabbed me by the back of my pants. And held on to me. And wouldn't you know, that fish was the biggest fish. And by God, I won the 10-speed bike that year. And boy, were the <laughs> the boys were mad. But anyways, okay. So I really used to like fishing, which is probably why this analogy keeps coming up. So in order to catch a fish, you bait a hook with something you know the type of fish you're after likes to eat. Which varies from fish to fish, right? Some prefer worms, some prefer bugs, others want smaller fish, shrimp, or even crawdads. When it comes to hunting animals, it's sort of the same thing. Um, Techniques vary on whether you trap it, you know, sometimes you use bait to lure an animal into the trap, um, or to where, you know, a certain area where a hunter is waiting for it, um, Again, you have to adjust a bait to whatever type of animal you're after since diets vary among species. Um, Other times, hunters just position themselves in an area they know the animal is likely to come through and they just lay in wait until one does. Other methods involve tracking. Ghost hunting utilizes all of those methods to some modified extent or another, depending on who's doing it, their personal preferences, and the situation they're in. 
But this is another reason why ghosts have remained in the alleged and supposed realm of existence. Unlike hunters and fishermen who trade, you know, tactics for which type of bait and techniques they use to catch whatever they're hunting or fishing, ghost hunters can't. Or perhaps it's more of a matter that they don't. Why? Well, that's almost as complicated as trying to answer what are ghosts. We'll have to delve into that though some other time because that is pretty complicated. Let's examine a little bit what do ghosts look like? Are they all white and see-through? Do they glow? Do they look like real people? Or do they look like white misty masses or solid black ones? Do they look like their corpses or the age they were when they died? Or some other point of time that they determine somehow? Do they look like a real person until they disappear? Why did some people used to describe ghosts as wearing sheets and rattling chains? And why don't they do that anymore? That'd be a cool thing to capture on video though, wouldn't it? People who have claimed to see ghosts have reported varying descriptions of their visual experiences. I'm not exactly sure if anyone actually did report seeing a ghost in a sheet or rattling chains or if that was a fictional invention. If you know, let me know. However, people have described some specters as being see-through and others could have sworn they were looking at a flesh-and-blood person until it vanished into thin air. How can we catch something if we don't know what we're actually looking for, or even at? There could be something right in front of our eyes that we're missing because we're focusing on something else entirely. So is there another way to know if a ghost is around? What do ghosts smell and sound like? Do ghosts smell like the perfume or cologne they wore while they were living? Or do they smell like their body odor if they didn't wash or wear a scent? Do they smell like the cigarettes or cigars they smoked? The beer or liquor they drank? Their favorite flower? And how do ghosts sound? There's always the good old-fashioned, stereotypical rattling of chains or moaning. Uh, which again, did that really ever happen or was it just part of some story? The most common reports these days are disembodied voices crying, giggling, whispering, talking, and once in a while even screaming. It stands to reason that if ghosts are spirits of people, People produce a variety of smells and sounds. Perhaps they bring a part of that with them in their spiritual energy. And I just realized how that sound. People produce a variety of smells and sounds. Sometimes there is a sound followed by a smell. <laughs> um, so, do ghosts fart? We don't know, but <laughs> that's something to consider. As well as keep our ears open for, right? and perhaps our nostrils, or not, depending on how strong the odor is. Or perhaps the odors have just been trapped in fabrics and other materials, wood, 
the walls, you know, they can cling on to stuff also. Perhaps certain conditions like heat or humidity release the smells at certain times. Perhaps some people with a keener sense of smell than others pick up on these odors and all of a sudden they think that it's a phantom smell that they are experiencing. But what about the sounds? Could they be echoes from the past or voices reaching out from the behind? The, the, the behind. I'm stuck on fart, sorry. Or voices reaching out from the behind. <laughs> Beyond. I'm just leaving this in here. I could edit it out, but I can't. I'm going to do it right. Here we go. Could they be echoes from the past or voices reaching out from the beyond? Wow, I did it. Okay. Or could it be misinterpreted wind gusts, overactive imaginations, auditory hallucinations brought on by allergies, high electrical magnetic fields, or sickness? Like so much of what we experience with the paranormal, we don't always know exactly what's happening when people encounter phantom smells and sounds. It could be one of the many ways ghosts are trying to communicate with the living. Speaking of, can ghosts communicate with the living? Do ghosts know how to use Ouija boards or how to seek out spirit mediums to channel them? Are they technologically savvy enough to manipulate phones, computers, spirit boxes, and K2 meters? And what about turning flashlights on and off? How do they physically muster the power to do that? What about EVPs? Are recorders really picking up voices, answering questions that no one heard at the time or heard the responses to at the time? Or is it a case of a technological glitch or auditory periodalia? Why do some ways of communicating with ghosts seem to work at certain times and for certain people, but not all the time and not for everybody? Trying to talk with ghosts is an imprecise science. Well, calling it a science is probably not the best word choice. Activity or exercise may be better. YouTube is loaded, as we all know, with great evidence of people capturing voices from the beyond, but we're back to square one. Is it really proof of ghosts or not? So, what are ghosts? Are they real or illusion? A hopeful ideal or an imaginative invention? The only thing that's certain is that the question sparks a never-ending search for answers and results in a mystery that still remains unsolved. But that's also what makes looking for ghosts and proof of them so interesting and exciting. 